Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. In a training camp of the improbable, the impossible has happened. It is approaching 90, and we're doing it live on the first Friday. And a little homage to my boy Vin Scully out of the gates. I love uh, that. For the people. Yeah, for the people. He was my guy. That was my guy. That was your guy. So Life he, lived well. He called one of the great moments of my childhood, although I, I wouldn't pretend to be have been old enough to appreciate it in the moment, but it was something that was on in my house yes. a billion times, the replay right. of it, which, of course, is the catch yep. for the 49ers, and also called one of the worst moments, which was probably a delight <laughs> for you and one really that I was. still hate seeing every time I see it. I watched the um, – Last night when I saw the news uh, that he had passed, I saw I watched the it's a, it's like an eight minute at bat. It's a forever at bat. Yeah, I know. It's just and as the as he as he as Gibson is like, you know, trying to get to the batter's box because he doesn't have knees. Um, he can't walk. He can't walk. Eck, the is man can't un- walk. Eck is unhittable. He's unhittable. They put a graphic up that says Eckersley has not given up a home run since like 1926. Like there's a graphic up that says he hadn't given up a home run in forever, hadn't blown a save in forever. He's the MVP that year, right? 88? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to know who put that graphic up. I don't I'd know. Like it's smack them. It was amazing. That's an unnecessary the graphic. The graphic comes up. You know, I haven't Awful watched graphic. like the full thing in a long time, but I, I did last night. But like I forgot – how many balls he fouled off? Yes, it was a it was like, a thousand. Balls. Yeah, it was like a wasn't it? I, and I'm gonna try not to exaggerate, but wasn't it like a 13 pitch at bat? Yes, yes. It just kept. He at one point, the one right before the home run, he, uh, you know, uh, Scully goes and a little nubber, like he just kind of just hits it barely dribbling down the first baseline, and then you why, know why couldn't it have been fair? And away you go. Scully had this incredible gift to just the let way it. Breathe. I didn't go. I just was. Devastated. I me. Crushed. <laughs> you had so much winning at that time. It was good for you to be humbled a little bit. No. The A's were the ones that we had dripping season tickets to. Yeah, but you we won were... the next year. Yeah, but then that was marred by an earthquake that oh, caused right. mass devastation in that's my true. homeland. Yeah, that's October true. October 17th, 5.04 p.m. No big deal. The Loma Prieta earthquake. Yeah. They had showed the Dave Parker highlight of hitting the double the game before. Yep. Of course, now it was a sweep. It was the Bay, or the Bay Bridge series. Bay Bridge it was series. super cool. Then the Bay Bridge collapses. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that loses a little bit of its luster, and then That's you get true. smoked again the next year by the Nasty Boys. Which that one made no sense. Smoked. Absolutely made no sense. That Billy Hatcher happen. hit like yeah. 5,000, which I know you can only Billy hit Billy Hatcher did hit about 5,000. He set the record. Yeah, you yeah, every, every got to hit every time he's up. He did. He absolutely did. Um, yeah, it was – you know, I think about that a lot with Jim, right? I was thinking about that with Jim, how, you know, for a generation of, of people out there, if you're of a certain age, there are these voices that are synonymous with your use and youth and radio. And you think of, for me, it was Vin, but you know, if you were, you know, Southern Ohio, probably Marty Brenneman, uh, Tom here, obviously now with, with baseball here, you think about Jack Buck, St. Louis, you could get Cardinals games anywhere in like a 12 state radius with Jack Buck. Gibby could probably speak to that. Like he was, that was that, that stick, whatever that station was out of St. Louis, like you could get Cardinal games Anywhere. The fabulous KMOX. There you go. Out yeah. of St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, you could truly. Like, you could get them in, from Texas to You get them here Canada, on a clear like, night. Right here. Like, yeah. An incredible stick. Ernie Harwell with Detroit. Like, the, the, there are these voices that were carried. And I was thinking, you know, from a modern perspective, like, you know, with my kids or, or kids, you know, people in their 20s or younger, you know, th- that was a baseball medium. 
Totally. That, that's what it was. Baseball is a is a radio medium at night. It, it is something that is synonymous with that. You know, the, football is the sport of record now, and in a national, you have it's more of a national thing than anything else. And so you think of Nance and yeah. Michaels and Buck. I mean, yeah. those are the those voices are the that are the synonymous voices with the sport. And then for us here locally, it's Jim. I mean, Jim is the voice of that. That I think when you when you think of sports. You know, in this town, and you think of 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 what all of that means. Um, I thought, you know, it's pro- if you ask kids, or, you know, people of a certain age, when you think of sports on the radio, what do you think of? And you would say Jim Donovan. There's no doubt, he is the voice. He is the iconic yeah. voice of the Browns, and it's going to be a lot of fun to get to hear. You know, be there. I got to hear it all from the sideline, but to actually be right next to him yeah. and hear it as it happens is going to be surreal. It's going to be a blast, and I certainly. You know, can't wait for that. Can't wait for the season. Here's the crazy thing is the first game is now nine days away. The first preseason game, nine days away down at Jacksonville. something? That Hall of Fame game is happening tomorrow. Tomorrow. I know it. Yeah. I, it feels hey, like that, that came out think, of nowhere. Do you think that um, – I saw earlier this week, and we, we opened with Jacksonville, of course, down there. Jacksonville playing tomorrow night in the Hall of Fame game. Yep. I saw no Etienne, no Lawrence. Like, if at some point – I mean, this is – that is a beautiful facility down there that they put a lot of money into – it's basically been built for that one game, right? That's the yep. one game it's built for. Isn't it kind of owed not to play a game, but, I mean, we're going to have an inter-squad practice with the Eagles here, what, next week? Um, or is it the week after with the Eagles? When are the Eagles coming here? The week after. week after. Yeah, the week after Jackson. Okay. So, and, and we're going to be able to keep all of our guys healthy in that. Can't, yeah. can't the same be done in the, in the Hall of Fame game? What does it hurt to run Trevor Lawrence out for two series and just say, "Hey guys, stay away from his legs and knees. Treat it like a treat complete... it like a like a controlled practice." Like I'm with you. I'd isn't that, that more valuable? Like, do we are we really do we really need to see like we don't? It, wouldn't it's... you get more if you're whoever's broadcasting the game tomorrow? Night, I don't know who it is, but whoever it is, wouldn't you be? Wouldn't you be a? Wouldn't it make you? Wouldn't that a bigger win to see Trevor Lawrence? Of course, regardless of the scenario of what you see him in, I'd be fine with. I, I I'm kind of fine with. If the first week of the preseason or whether it be the last week of the preseason where you decide and you say, you know what, quarterbacks are – you can't touch a quarterback. Yes. Like, Perfect. Why, wouldn't you rather see them yes. play and feel good about – yeah, I got to see Trevor Lawrence. Right, that you get to see these people play and, and do things. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it just seems like it's a very simple – a simple fix, kind of a no-brainer. Yep. Like, this is the – all right, here's the first football we're going to have this year. Everybody is in the birthplace of the game. It's the one of the great weekends on the calendar. I cannot wait. I mean, can you imagine next year what we're going to be doing? That's well, what I'm We're going to be there. I mean, well, this, this show will be there. Yes. Won't we? I Won't would we imagine. I mean, how can we not be there, Gibby? It feels like we'll be there. For Hoff? For the Hoffness? I do have some contacts at the McKinley Hotel. Yeah. So I mean – I've like, run some lines in there. We've – yeah, I, yeah told we him, need I gave to be, the Hoffa, Edger and James full scouting of what his whole setup, where the party was. All yeah, of that was great. Yeah, that's what's necessary. That's what it'll be next year when the Hoff goes in. Um, and so we'll be all over that. But, I mean, I just think, I don't know, it seems like easy to do. Just really easy, kind of a no-brainer. Get it I'm done. 100% it with you. By the way, speaking of the Hoff, yeah. 
I know it's probably on your DVR, but did you by any chance happen to catch the two-minute drill yesterday, me and the Hoff in our pads? So I had uh, six- and seven-year-old uh, skill assessment, Bootsy's first skill Ooh. assessment in football. We'll get into some of the details on that in a second. Which is I funny. would love How can that breakdown. I would like to see somebody try to put into words their Where, assessment of Where's Brugler? Young, can bold. we get Brugler to break, Brugler down, to the break down the kids' yeah. film? It would be unbelievable. I'll tell you what, there's some parents that think it's that important. Uh, yeah. I Even at that age. Do. It's a scene, man. Do. A lot of a lot of Joe McCoys running around. Oh my god! A lot goodness. of Joe McCoys. A lot of a little lot Marv of, lot of, Marinovich. Oh, it's a big, big, lot of big deal. Things that are being done at this was age. Was that Todd's dad? Was that his name? Marv. What's that? Was it Marv, Marv Marinovich? Marinovich? Yeah. Oh man, I... a lot of that. So anyway, when I got done with all of that, and I got home last night late, okay. I was in charge of pursuit and evade. Okay. The flag football version of the Oklahoma drill. Okay. So I get done with all that, and I did see an image. Of you and the Hoff in shoulder pads. Yeah. And I thought, I can't wait to see this on my DVR. Yeah. And then I, I ended up not because I was distracted. But I did see the image, and I was transfixed by the image. So, give me, are we? Does, will we have the Hoff again this week? Yeah, Hoff will join us on Friday. Okay. Oh, yeah, because tomorrow's player More off like day. like Friday, am I right? Friday. <laughs> Got to get down on Friday. Uh, so, after practice, Hoff spent – Close to 20 minutes, I want to say. Yeah. With the offensive line, going over techniques, going over things Gosh, that he oh did. And then after that kind of broke off, and you could tell, I don't know who was having more fun, the Hoff or Callahan. Callahan was loving it. The players, I think, were very much enjoying it. And then he spent some time with Jed Wilson. So I'll let him talk about all of that. Yeah. And if whatever he wants to share about that. But he was kind of helping him on his pass sets and the way that the Hoff did it. So he was kind of talking to him about some of the techniques of it, and then one of the drills that he did back from Juan Castillo and George Warhop, who we referenced on yep. our show yesterday, um, was that he would get like in his stance, you know, his stance to do his pass set, and he would hold a 45-pound plate, and then he would do his pass set kicks all the way across the field, the width of the field, and then he would do it Jeez. the other way. Okay, and then he goes. So that's like a drill you really can do, you know, and it'll help you feel the right muscle here in your hip that you're locking in and exploding back on and the way that you got to get your heel in the – all these different little technical fineries and the angle of your foot before you do your – all of that. And then he says, well, that was the drill. And then the progression of the drill was that you would hold that plate and you would do your kick, but your back foot would never touch the ground. So it was just your front leg hopping across the field with this plate without your back leg touching the ground. So he demonstrates this while he's talking about this to Coach Callahan and to Jed. The guy moves like a gazelle still. I mean, if you watched him, you're like, it's flawless. So he's doing this on one leg. He covers about 15 yards on one leg on a pass set like it was nothing, okay? Like it was absolutely nothing. And I talked to some very big L luminaries on the football side. as Big as big L's. Big as they get. And they were like, there's no doubt in my mind after watching that, that even if it was for just one game, that he could put the pads on right now and be the best left tackle in the league. Like it just – Yes. Just right. watching that's it right. move look that way. So we do this – we do the two-minute drill. We break down everything that happened in camp today. We're wearing the pads and do a couple – you know, a little Road Warriors reference and have some fun with that. And then at the end – and he did not know I was going to do this. I just kind of set the scene for what he had demonstrated. And I said, why don't you just do that like right away from the camera yeah. and just send us off? Send us off. And so that's exactly what he does. And then at the end of it, which I didn't see because my back and I'm like, you know, he's still got it. We still got it. It's the two-minute drill, blah, 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 wrap it up. 
He does that for about 15 yards. Then he stops and does a fake pass that and goes, huh, and then throws a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar skyhook. I, I, it's, it's, I have gone back and looked at it. It's stunning. I think he was catching the bounce pass. I don't know if he was blocking. Oh, I think maybe he was, was a, catching he, the bounce pass. And then throws a sky. It's, and the skyhook we'll, is textbook. We'll watch it, it We'll is. watch it in the break because you're going to get a big kick out of it. But here's my, my still image of it that I was able to capture. <laughs> As he's throwing the skyhook in the back. It's it's unreal. It's like it's unbelievable. It reminded me of like the scene when, when Jim Carrey is uh in the mental institution, he's running his routes yeah. and doing the button hook yeah. for Marino. It's incredible. It was it was pure joy. So that I'd ha- by the way, thank you to the we're already way over ten thousand people who have uh watched it. It's uh it's pure joy. I think you'll I can't you'll wait. smile no, no, while I, you watch yeah, it without I, a qu- any yeah, question. Yeah, two, two of my favorite people. No, he is a – It's the thing that's always been so cool about him, and even from the very first – I mean, he and I did this show a couple of times, and it was like the first time I met him, and then we did a show. Yeah. Like it was – that was it. Like, the, oh, here's Bo, here's Joe, away we go, and then let's do two. Then That's how that worked. That was in that first year, Baker's rookie year. And – um I want to say the first show we did was after the Jets win. That would make did sense. Yeah, that would make sense. I think so. Yeah, it was <laughs> the next. With me. Right. No, I know. It was, yeah, it was it. That was season one. I'm pretty sure that was the first one. He came yeah. in that week. Yeah. On the on the Friday? Yeah, because yeah, he would have been here for Thursday Night Football. He was Thursday Night Football. Oh, yeah. So he and the I did The beer fridge is opened, and yeah. we did a show on Friday. Yeah, we did it with yeah, the Hoff. Yeah, but anyway, three of us were. My, my point, right? Someone, that's right. That's right. But what we don't need to relitigate. Uh, what I would say though is, is what he, um, what was it? What's amazing about him? He is so unassuming. He has, he is egoless. He's so cool. He's the nicest dude ever. He has no ego, and yet is completely aware of what he is and what he is capable of. And that's a tough. Needle to thread. It is a tie, and he but does he does it, it so well. And everybody who gets a chance to hang out with him ends up. You love him. You love yeah. him. And I can't wait to hear. I'm telling you, I don't know who was happier with what happened, but he's. I, I think he might have been. Talk- he was having so much fun yeah. talking to those guys, and Callahan loved it and thought it was great. And and I actually got to walk off with Callahan while Hoff was still talking to Jed a little bit there. And he said, man, this is so cool. He said, you know, back in the day, I used to bring Anthony Munoz into my teams. And he said, with COVID, we never got to have Joe in. Because remember, last year, even, even though we were out here, he couldn't cross the we white lines. Yeah, we had all those things. Yeah. All the, the barricades. So yeah. this was his first opportunity. And so I, I know he had a blast. And it was uh, it was really cool to watch and to see. But you're right. He's just a, a terrific human being. And, and uh, I'm pumped for Friday. Get him. We'll get him back on the show. And I'm, I'm curious to hear through his, like, his eyes. Because yeah. I know he he had an absolute blast. The other thing that was cool is when we went out then and watched practice after CBD was over, this is how good he still is. And we keep talking about his process. And I actually told Kellen, I said, the coolest thing, I, one of the coolest 15 minutes, if not the. It's up there. That we've ever done. Yeah. And we've done some heavy stuff. The D-Day stuff with the um, – Yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. incredible. And But we would watch the plays and his ability – and whether it was something he saw from the offensive line, whether it's something he saw from the defense, or whether he saw just somewhere, he knew what the plays were going to be before they were happening. He'd be like, watch this, this is going to be a run right. And I'd be like, how did you know? And he'd give me, I don't want to say it out loud why he knew, but he would know. And then he'd say, well, this one's going to be a pass. Well, how'd you know? Da-da-da-da-da. Like, bonkers. And we're just on the sideline. It's not like he's even behind the play. We were on the sideline, back about, it's... we stood back about 10 yards. 
he was he is such a football genius. That's the word. That's the correct word. He's yeah. a genius about the game and it's through his dedication and now, you know, he gave one piece of advice that was so simple. Yep. And you wonder like does it go in the ear of 20-year-olds and out the other because it was maybe too simple? But if I, I hope that it is followed, and if it is, I mean, it can only be a benefit for the people. I mean, he just – yep, his approach to everything, you know, and it was just – it's it's there's a reason. Unbelievable God-given talent. Unbelievable. His, just his understanding of biomechanics, his understanding of – how he could be the best he could be, but then the dedication to the knowledge, the mastery of the knowledge is staggering. And I think that's, you know, it's probably intimidating to hear, well, this is how I did it. And yeah, well, like you're like, oh, my God, well, that means that was like your life. Yep. And, and he said, yeah, I spent my entire life basically focused on how I could be the best left tackle possible. And then he, I was. He is, he, is, uh, he relentlessly pursues processes yeah so when he played it was that which yeah we everybody benefited from and he will end up with a gold jacket a year from now which is going to be a just such a special moment uh for the franchise for all of us for the fans everybody for him everybody life's work in the in the highest possible achievement but buddy he did the same with when he was starting to get into whiskey and he would text me coffee about <laughs> coffee he would text me about coffee wine sous vide Pump and iron, the, the all of it. Like when he finds something that he that is curious to him or that he wants to do, it is an all in, all encompassing pursuit to find out the perfect way or route to achieve it. It is a stunning thing to always approach everything in your life in that manner. There aren't many that do that. He doesn't wade in. No. When he's in. He is. He's in, and it is. It feels like within a matter of a month, he could teach a master class on whatever it is that he is. I don't think there's any doubt. Fired up about. I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think there's any doubt. We'll go over uh, some of the takeaways from yesterday's uh, first practice in pads. We'll get Z's copious notes on that. I want to give one other shout out to my man Jace with Cedar Point. Um, we were. I was out uh, the last week. Jace, and, and dude, we went, he's a legend. That guy's an icon, man. He we, is. It, we had the best time. Um, it was. It was so cool. My my oldest was he's at the age where he's into all of it, you know, like all of the rides. And so we were able to ride them all. And it was that place is a jewel. It is an absolute jewel uh, to be able to go to that. Place. Great. Jace is a good man and thorough. Yes. So that was that was very, very nice. And I appreciated that a great deal. All right. Coming up next, we'll Same. go over uh, the copious notes uh, from Tuesday's practice. Get you set for the second day in pads. Uh, Coach Stefanski will speak here in about 15 minutes or so. Somewhere there is about. Uh, you will take that live when when that happens as well. We're off and running. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And Bo here for my great friends at Renew Home Exteriors. Upgrade the look of your home with new siding from Renew Home Exteriors, ranging in every architectural style and over 50 colors. 
Receive $1,500 off on free insulation ramp plus 0% interest for qualified buyers. In addition, Renew Home Exteriors will meet or beat competitors' estimates by up to 10% or pay you 100 bucks. Beautify your home right now with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices with Renew Home Exteriors. Text Estimate to 71441 or visit RenewEstimate.com for more as we pull out the copious notes from the good Dr. Z. What caught your eye yesterday, my friend? Well, we'll start on the offensive side of the ball, and I thought there were a couple plays in particular that were very, very good. Number one, we'll start with Deshaun Watson, his time at quarterback, some nice throws, obviously his ability to fit the ball in the tight windows is, is very apparent, but what he brings, the threat of him running in the RPO game, opens up so many things, like those quick little rollouts, those kind of fake play action, quick little rollouts. He does that so effectively. We saw some big passes to the running backs in that situation, um, and I thought he had a very nice day again here at camp. Jacoby Brissett also, and one of the things that is great about Jacoby Brissett is he understands things as a veteran. He is seeing things. There was a play in particular where he had lined up to his left was Jerome Ford. The Browns defense was bringing a blitz. And in that blitz, Miles Garrett would rush if the back stayed in the block, but he had to peel out with the running back if not. And Ford peeled out. Brissett read it, diagnosed the one-on-one, which is Ford running vertically up the field against Miles Garrett, was able to get the ball right to him, which led to a big, big play. And so I thought that was a really good one. Uh, he also had a couple nice strikes to Mike Woods. And Mike Woods, we bring that name up yeah. seemingly every single day. Another great day in camp there. And on one play, it looked to me that he ran a hitch Caught it, spun outside, and it was going to be a big gain for Mike Woods. What's awesome about that particular play is that on that one, Mike Woods actually made a sight adjustment based on what the corner did to alter his route but did it in such a way that he was able to communicate to Jacoby Brissett without communicating what he was doing, and it led to a huge play for the offense. Now let's not forget, he didn't really show up until the end of minicamp because he was injured, made an impression there, he has been one of the early breakouts and stars here of this training camp uh, session. And to have that kind of a veteran wherewithal that early, I know was very impressive. And people talked about how he's a natural hands catcher, he's creating separation, but they say his mental acumen for the game is really jumping out. And, and it's translating to him, frankly, making plays every single Day. Well, let's go. Let's let's do some. Th- this is always fun to do because we when we when we have these conversations of draft picks who potentially could be fines and who knows if Woods will be or not. Let's play a little quick game. Where do you go to college? Arkansas initially, then Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma. And at Oklahoma, they ran one of the more sophisticated pass offenses in the country with Lincoln Riley that had two Heisman Trophy winners, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and another one um, in in Jalen Hurts, who was a transfer from Alabama. So they. The point of all of this is he there, there are a few places in the country at receiver where you get a master class in how to play the position. Yep. Ohio State's one of them. LSU, despite all sorts of crazy things with their offenses through the years, has been one of them. And Oklahoma's one of them. No so he comes in ready. He comes in ready. The amount of reps that he has gotten in practice, what is demanded in their pass-catching scheme is something that ought to translate directly to the league. You do feel a little bit. It's early, Z. It does feel a little bit like, and I know the pedigrees are different, but it feels a little bit like the DPJ thing that we noticed that first year. Both six-round picks, very different players. I'm not saying that. But from the standpoint of 
this guy's better than where he was drafted. As of today? As of today. No doubt, and it's one of those things that's kind of amazing because it, it feels like something that the Browns really kind of needed that to be the case, yeah. and that's because, for example, yesterday's practice there was no Amari Cooper. There was no Anthony Schwartz. There was no David Bell, and so you need somebody to step up, and so far Mike Woods has done a tremendous job of doing exactly that, but a great point on his pedigree. He's made an impression. Now, can he keep it going? That's the question. But so far, from a mental standpoint, nothing has been too big for him. He's been on point there. His ability to gain separation, and I can tell you from talking to uh, some of the DBs, they've noticed. They said 12, 12 can play. And I'm yep. talking about prominent DBs on this team who have said, you know, 12, 12 can play. He's a guy that's he's given us a, a little bit of problems. You know, A.J. Green's having a great camp, and on that particular play, what A.J. did you would have thought would have stopped what Mike Woods was trying to do, but he made a very veteran-like adjustment and turned something that could have been nothing into a very, very big play. And I think that is a testament, like I said to him. But that stood out. I thought it was a great day for the tight ends. And here's something I was having a conversation yesterday after practice with a great friend of the program, Jeff Howard. And then today I got to talk with T.C. McCartney, which is something that we will have for you guys on tomorrow's program, the Players' Day Off. And... One of the things they brought up a point that I thought was very, very interesting. The whole spring, the OTAs and minicamp, we talked about it being a passing camp. Yeah. Seven on seven was really the bulk of everything that was done. All the teamwork was done maybe a quarter speed. Yeah. So seven on seven. What kind of play is going to happen in every seven on seven play? A pass play. Spin it. That's right. And now – <laughs> Coach Howard said he asked that exact question and got the exact answer. Well, it's going to be a pass. Well, yeah, it is going to be a pass. So he's saying, but of the varieties of pass we can deal with, there's quick game. Sure. There's, you know, your five, seven-step drops, vertical game. There's intermediate game. And then there are, you know, screen game Could you could have there. Or, but what you can have is play action. Yeah. You don't run play action in seven-on-sevens. So he said the goal, one of the goals for this team was on defense was to be great at, at the play action game once we got here because there was really no work in it, even yeah. though it's a huge part of what a defense has to do. And flip, conversely, it's a huge part of what the offense has to do. And you talk about the tight ends. Yep. First day in the pads on, first day full speed in team situations. That's the first time for them to run a lot of that play action game. And so that's going to be dependent on their ability to sell that it's a run, still get out in their routes. A lot of the play actions involve the tight ends run those shallow crosses on the boots on the backside coming across the formation. And so it was their first opportunity to run a lot of those plays as well. And the tight ends had a great day. John Stanton had, I think, like five or six grabs in that one. Harrison Bryant had some nice grabs. The Chief had a nice tight end screen and run. Um, all of those guys really kind of showed yesterday. Miller Forstall had a couple of great plays as yep. well. So this was – that's what was so cool about yesterday. It wasn't just the first day in the pads. It was the first day – for our offense and our defense to engage in concepts that for our offense are going to be critical to its success at times. And for our defense, it's important to stop, which yeah. are the play-action games. And so you got to see that yesterday, which was something I hadn't thought about. I'm like, all right, you're getting yeah. all this pass work, but a big part of the pass game is the play-action game. And with that expert analysis out of you, we head to the podium and Coach Stefanski. Oh, boy. Gotcha, all right, thanks, Murph. Rob. All right. Good to see you guys. Uh, warm one out here today, which is good. We need the work in the heat. Uh, got Jacksonville coming up. Lord knows what that temperature could be down there uh, at night. So we need to work in the heat. So I think we're uh, all looking forward to it. And th then the message with that, obviously, is to hydrate and take care of ourselves. Uh, so that's uh, what we're looking forward to doing today. Congratulations to Cali's team. They won today. They beat Finland 28-10. Uh, to 10. 
So I think they got maybe one more game uh, out there, the gold medal game. So we're all keeping close eye. We had that game streaming on the TVs in there uh, today. Uh, but with that, I'll take any questions. Jack Conklin this morning. Could you just touch on his bounce back from that injury and, and just, uh, you know, your perspective, how things are Yeah, we've talked about it, and, and I'm really impressed with Jack and how he's worked. Uh, he's uh, taken every single day as an opportunity to get better and get stronger. That's, you know, one thing to rehab an injury and, and get healthy. Uh, he's trying to get stronger, and he's done that. So I've been very impressed with his work ethic, and, and I think that rubs off uh, on his position. What, stable, what kind of stabilizing is he when he's out there for you every day? Yeah, I think any of those vets, Scott, uh, that have kind of been there, done that, and have seen a lot of football uh, can be a great stabilizing force for uh, guys across the offensive line. Think about young players, how you can have a veteran next to you, and then in that huddle with all your guys, I, I think it does make a big difference. Kevin, do you think it's time for Jacob Phillips to step up and, and come into him this year? He's had the injuries. And, uh, I mean, do you feel like he's, he's ready now? Yeah, I think he's in a good spot. We're excited about Jacob. Like you mentioned, uh, being healthy is a big part of it, and, and he is. Uh, so he's doing a nice job. He's getting a ton of reps out here. His athleticism, as you know, shows up in practice and, and certainly as we get into games. But he, he's right on schedule, uh, and, and we just need him to continue to work. Is he like the final piece of the final product that hasn't been in there all the time to see the final product? Say it one more time, Tom. Is he like the final piece of the, the end product of the defense to get him in there all the time? Oh, yeah. I, 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 His speed? No. Sure. I mean, I, I think certainly, as you know, we value length. We value speed. Uh, that's Jacob's game. Uh, he's a smart, tough, uh, physical football player. Uh, so excited to see what he can uh, do. And, and part of it, again, I know he's going into third year, but he he's, hasn't been in the lineup all the time. So for practice, it's just huge getting him rep after rep after rep. Uh, I would single him out, though, from another guy who worked really, really hard. I mean, he was here a lot in the offseason. Uh, and, and those guys that stay here seem to get bigger, stronger, faster. What is it about their personalities, their nature, is that this many years in, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are still working so well together? Yeah, Didi, I think that just speaks to those two people. Uh, they're very, very different, uh, as, as you know, but they both love football. They both love to win. They both love to push each other. Uh, but different people, different players, different styles, all that type of thing. Uh, but they really, they, they do push each other. Hey, Kevin, um, Odell and, and Jarvis, I've been past catching. They had strong personalities in that uh, receiver room. Do you need someone to build that leadership void that way? Uh, I think when it comes to leadership, Jeff, you can't force that. You can't be somebody you're not. So, you know, you mentioned the wide receiver room. Uh, obviously, Amari's the veteran in there. But Amari just being himself, it, it, he can be a leader because you can lead by example in that way. So I would not encourage anybody to, to try to take on a leadership role by being something they're not. Kevin, Jeff. Michael Woods has had a good camp so far. I'm curious, what's something about him that surprised you now that you've seen him in a little bit more action so far? Yeah, I, I don't know that anything has surprised me. He's, he's played football on a big stage uh, in, in college. Uh, he's done a nice job from the standpoint of being assignment sound, which is not 
always uh, this, the thing that you'll see from young players. So I've been impressed by that aspect of it. And then Coach O'Shea says, get open and catch the ball. And, and he's done that. Kevin, can you do a formal scrimmage or simulated game this weekend? No. Kevin, we you mentioned this a little with Jacob, but we've talked to a few guys that did decide to stay here during the offseason, a big part of the offseason. What does that mean for us? I stayed here too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I respect guys that go home and, and go to their wherever they work out. They work hard too, so I don't want to make it seem like you have to stay here. I get to see it firsthand, the guys that stay here that come in the building every day, that are in early, uh, put in the work with their teammates, put in the work with our coaches. I've seen those guys take great strides. Uh, again, not to say the guys that don't stay here uh, don't, but it, it's fun to see a guy in the middle of March here working on his craft, uh, whether they're, some guys are rehabbing from an injury, some guys are just trying to get better. How similar are your running concepts to different offenses that Jacoby has run, and how would you Yeah, I'd say there's, there's similarities, I would tell you, between every offense. They all have these common threads, and then there's nuance, which varies the scheme to, uh, to scheme. So uh, Jacoby's been in a, a couple different schemes already, going back to New England and Indy and Miami. Uh, so there's definitely plays that he's run, that we run, that he knows exactly what those plays are about. Uh, as we've evolved in the last couple years here, we've added and, and tweaked certain things that we do, so he's getting up to speed on that. When it comes to receivers and their divergent personalities, Chad O'Shea talked about how it was all business this year, it's just the way that, do you prefer that over the boisterous, flamboyant, flashy type? No, I, I don't care. Uh, I, I really don't. I think, uh, again, I think it goes back to the previous question about leadership. You just want everybody to be authentic and to be themselves. Uh, there's a bunch of boisterous rooms in there. I, I hear them. So uh, it's not like we got a bunch of you know, choir boys. Uh, guys are having fun. They're being loud. Uh, they're excited about playing football. Uh, but ultimately, we just want them to be themselves. Kevin, speaking of the heat, are you guys traveling to Jacksonville a couple extra days early? And so just one day early. Uh, it's something I wanted to do. Got a couple things I want to get done down there. So you'll do a practice? Yes. Yes. Hey, Kevin, have you heard anything from the league regarding a potential I have not. Nothing. Tomorrow, you guys are players are off. Correct. You encourage them to stay home. I know they only have to be here for what, rehab. But there's nothing formal, right? No, there's nothing formal. Uh, we are. We have a bunch of modalities that we can offer them here. Uh, we, we certainly are, are here for. They want to recover, uh, and, and luckily they'll have something to recover from after today. Uh, but what they do with their off day, uh, so much of it is getting their mind, body, and spirit right for the next day. Kevin, what did Philip show you on last year during that time when he was out with the biceps? Was it something that you learned about him? I mean, he was in every meeting. And, and again, that's not always this, the, the case with guys that are injured for, you know, going to be out for a, a long time. So he, he was in every meeting, knows exactly what we're doing. To play that Mike linebacker role, you got it. You have to know what you're doing inside and out because you're directing traffic, traffic oftentimes. And I think uh, Jacob's a student of this game. I think Coach Tarver does a great job with him uh, so that he can really dive into this scheme and, and some of the uh, different things that we do off of this scheme. So, can you go back to Tom's question really quick? I guess yeah. with everything last year that you guys dealt with with soft tissue injuries, especially in the preseason, have you seen guys making like more concerted effort to kind of take advantage of the resources you guys have here? 
Yeah, I have actually, uh, and and I think it's it's we're offering it and we're encouraging it, obviously. But everything we do, from how we structure this practice to to, to really all how we've structured the training camp is to make sure that we get this football team ready to play and we do it in a safe manner. Part of that is each guy taking it upon themselves to to recover with their body, and there, there's many things in there that we can offer them uh, in that regard. But that's so much of being a pro is taking advantage of things that, that can get your body back uh, after these practices. Speaking of that, going back to Jack, obviously the physical recovery, talk about the mental and emotional recovery and what you guys did to assist them in that regard. Well, I, I think that's a the mental health piece of it. I mean, for anybody, if you've ever been injured uh, and, and you're not playing uh, in that moment, it, it, it can be, you can be isolated from the team. I mean, it's easy to sit there on the training table and not feel a part of it. So we really want to encourage our guys when they're not uh, in and getting those reps. Maybe they're not, they're, maybe they're on injury. They're, we always are encouraging guys to make sure that they still feel part of this team because they're a big part of it. Uh, I think back to guys over the years that are on IR and, and they're just in the building and they want to be around the team, and, and that's certainly a, a big part of what we encourage. Why are players on the three days this week instead? Just the way the schedule comes out. Uh, we're just trying to be mindful of things, Tony, uh, and then knowing that we're going to be going down to Jacksonville, just trying to work the schedule as you see fit. You know, everybody's preseason games don't come on the same day, so you'll start to see a little bit divergence of uh, schedules throughout the league. Did you have to reinforce your uh, you know, no dust-up message after Donovan and Martin kind of got into it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I address those type of things really every day with the guys. It's a competitive practice. It's a competitive sport. It's a physical sport, all those things. So uh, I, I do understand that guys are going to play hard, and, and there's a chippiness to every practice that we've ever been a part of in, in all of our lives. All right, that's Coach Stefanski from the podium. Uh, it actually did wrap up as well. So that was, uh, as I see everybody kind of dispersing over there. The players starting to matriculate out. We'll get into what we're Great seeing word. there as we start the second day on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Bath Authority gives you that bathroom of your dreams. You can transform your current bathroom into a custom bath for a spa-like experience. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are experts and factory-trained installers. Give them a call now for 500 bucks off the next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. Largest selection of bath projects are all made in the United States. You can change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding in about a day. Superior products with expert installers at the Bath Authority. Dot com two one six two two zero eight three nine nine. The team out here uh, not in not in pads. No not pads, pads today. That's okay. Um, that's all right. Well, it happens. Listen, you know, let's be out. We'll be out. Let's. Stevie's a work in progress. No, 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 no. no. Esteban. Esteban, I made the changes because I saw it and clearly it did not save right. Oh. Does it say so do we put it on the head honcho? Says day two you of You can pads. throw it on me today. Says day two throw of it pads. on the head honcho? And I specifically sent him a note. I was like, please check with me before you put that in the rundown. Oh, Does wow. it, uh, wasn't the um, – for Stevie Janowski, that, didn't he end up with like a shaved head? 
when things well, got done. A lot, of, a lot of things really got... don't have any hair on red. But it was so. not just the head. It was eyebrows, too. Eyebrows He was like everything. a salamander. I had a roommate that had his just one eyebrow shaved. Well, that. It's because he it's the got least, intoxicated and did something you shouldn't have. The least surprising thing ever that you had, you, you ran with a group of humans who would shave off eyebrows upon over-intoxication. No, no, just one. Just one. An bro. eyebrow. Just one. That's a, Sorry. Yeah, not surprising. That's at very all. much as it, as it also, were. Also, not surprising. The Hoff went out this morning on the shores of Lake Erie. Did he? Oh, baby. Look, Look at, at him. Look at that guy. Where did he? Where did he? Hey, you know, where? it's a Wednesday. What else am I going to do? That looks like a substantial uh, fish. That's Is that a, a walleye? He said he got a couple steelhead and a couple walleye. I, that's a big boy. That's a big, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. He just is pure joy around here. Oh, yeah. few steelhead, few walleyes for a meal. He said that one fish looks like it could be a meal. That's the kind of thing that I used to back in the day like to, you know, get in there. And it reminds me of that's like a, the fish version of a nice brown spot. It's just a beaut. Just a beaut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, your, your, your youth growing up near the little Blackfoot River, you'd get out there and cast a fly and see if you could catch a, a nice trout, nice rainbow, see if you can get oh. them jumping. Absolutely. There you go. That's the way that that goes. Um, so what do we expect to see today? By the way, that, that was really cool. I see Miles. I see him running out there not now, and the kid's going crazy. Um, he feels really embracing of this face of the franchise thing. Uh, that's, he's been for a little bit of a while, but it feels like really feels comfortable with it here uh, in this season. Uh, there's been times when Agreed. I didn't know if he was always something that, you know, personality-wise, he, he, it's not natural, I don't he's necessarily know. Yeah. He's a quieter guy by nature. But it feels like he's really embracing it now. I think you're exactly right, and I think he's been, obviously, you know, we know what an incredible talent he is on the field. We know about his involvement in the community and yeah. the things that he believes in from social justice and you know, getting involved with the murals all across downtown Cleveland and yep. giving back. And, and you just see him. I do think that there is a great comfort that he has right now in not only who he is, who he is with this franchise, who he is with this fan base. And I've seen him interact with the fans, you know, every year that he's been here. He's always been great about that. But it just feels like he's almost – enjoying it as much as the other people yeah, on the receiving very side. very comfortable with it. Like, mm-hmm. just, I got this now. I know who I am. I'm all about it. I know yep. it. And I think about that moment um, last year in the Bears game when they were chanting Miles Garrett, and it just was heard all around the shores of Lake Erie. And you know, he had four and a half sacks. That's right. The franchise that's record. Right. That's right. And it, that there was just kind of. Feels like all of that has come come home to roost a little bit for him in a very very good way. I, I think that's true, and there's been a, there's been a joy about him, which is something that you really like to see. And I think there's a certain uh, joy around this particular team, which you could say in the midst of the tumult and the turmoil that that would be hard to believe, but it, it does feel like a group. And we've heard about the vibes, and yeah. of course Kevin Stefanski is only he would would say I'm not big on vibes. I'm not really interested in vibes, but no. he has. There is a a definite feeling around this football team that a they're talented b they really really like each other they like working together and that i think they're able to forge bonds on and off the field that were not readily available to them you know certainly the last two seasons which were the first two seasons with this coaching staff and with this regime and so i think that that's been a very positive thing and i think the guys are enjoying it miles certainly would be at the forefront of that yeah certainly would um so again the guys are starting to trickle out here uh, at the CCMC, um, you mentioned the, uh, you know, we, we, we are kind of on the clock here when it comes to if there's going to be an appeal from the NFL. Uh, they have until tomorrow at 9 a.m. to issue an appeal on this. Yep. Um, it's one of those things where I think that 
it's almost anal- paralysis by analysis. Like, you know, it's like in the, in the initial, after the initial uh, ruling was handed out, it felt like there were so many things. We did that show with Joe, and it was like there's so many things that make it very difficult to appeal of this, but then it feels like more and more people. But then I can't – I don't know how much of that is just social media and how much of it is reality. It's hard to know. Like, I think we get – there's a sense that, like, the whole world's on Twitter, and the reality is it's not. It's not. And and so, like, some of the stuff you see there isn't necessarily reality, but it does feel like from a national perspective that most people nationally believe there will be an appeal from the NFL. And I, I – and as I sit here today and some people that I've spoken to, I, I'm not so sure about that. And I think watching NFL Network today, you saw Ian Rappaport, who obviously you would imagine would be plugged in. He was the first one that had yeah. six games. Uh, what he was doing was saying, yes, there could be an appeal, but there also might not be an appeal, and here's why. And he actually laid out very clearly the things that, honestly, we said on We've Tuesday yeah. right when it happened, which – are what some of the people who are just out for what they believe justice should be are not factoring in. And so the upside, again, for the NFL to appeal is that those people who feel that justice has not been served, the NFL gets an opportunity to make that right, serve justice on Deshaun Watson. We know they had wanted, you know, a year, 12 games, whatever it is. So that's what they the benefit. And there could be a PR benefit from those people who felt that Justice has not been done by Sue L. Robinson in this process. Okay? Yeah. That's why they appeal. The, of, the opposite side, why they don't appeal, number one, they have set up this process. A federal judge, Sue L. Robinson, has ruled on it, and so you would be undermining, in essence, that process on its very first case. I think that's one of the reasons the NFLPA came out and said, we are going to honor this process regardless of the outcome. They had hoped the NFL said that they would do the same. Yeah. The NFL did not. So – that's one part of it, right, is the, the factor of judge. But that's not the real reason that they would not do this. If they really felt that strongly about it, they, they would do that. Here's the reason that I believe if they do not appeal, it ultimately will have come down to this. Number one, and this is Ian Rapport saying these same things, but this is exactly what we said as a, on Tuesday. Yep. Or actually it was Monday. Our days are off. I feel like it's Thursday. I know, and I agree with you. I thought I thought yesterday was first Friday, and, yeah, it's, I, and I'm, it off. Wasn't. I'm off a day. Same. So what we said on Monday, Monday, this happened on Monday. One, you appeal, this goes to federal court. That means, number one, it's likely Deshaun Watson plays in the opener. It also means that this will be a preeminent story for the National Football League indefinitely at that point. You don't know when it's going to be resolved. It will be looming over everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And the bigger part of that, not just the fact that, you know, hey, we have a chance to kind of close the bet on this. We've got the Hall of Fame game Thursday. We've got the Hall of Fame Saturday. We can get into preseason and then the season and all of that. It also opens up the possibility, as we know, one of the NFLPA's arguments was about owners who have been involved in similar uh, acts or have been, you know, or things that are maybe untoward being brought to light under oath in a federal court. Yes, correct. And that the upside of imposing a little more discipline and getting quote-unquote justice and the benefits of that, of appealing, you know, those who want to see that handed down, getting their approval for that, that benefit doesn't have the same magnitude as the potential downside of this going into court and things that could come out that could be detrimental to owners and, and perhaps detrimental to the league. Yeah. 
And that is what it feels like Ian Rappaport has been saying throughout his hits on the matter today. My guess is, and these are not scores. No. Because it's right. just like the Sue Robinson thing. There, uh, there are aren't scores. scores. Yeah. My guess is <clears throat> that this would happen today so that everything that goes on, one way or the other. But, again, I, am I, am I, that's my lean based on just kind of the legalities of the matter and the benefits and the, and the risks associated with an appeal that it would come down today so that tomorrow is just, okay, here's a Hall of Fame game and the weekend, the ceremony, which is really the official kickoff of the season That's, and one yeah. of the great gatherings and spectacles and feel-good events of the NFL calendar does not have a shadow hanging over it of more looming news, downside, ups, whatever it may be with this, with this situation. I concur. I but concur. we'll see. We'll see. I just hope, I, and I, I again, I do believe we will find out soon, one way or the other. That's my guess. Yeah, on you what have it is, to. But I, I think it'll be handled today, nine a.m. tomorrow. I, I, to me, it's done today. At some point, you'll get, you'll have some answer, one way or another, on how how all of this uh, goes. All right, coming up here in the second hour of the program, keep you updated on everything we're seeing out here at camp in Berea. Uh, you'll also have, uh, we'll also be joined by Charles Robinson, one of the frankly best in the business when it comes to the investigative reporting around the National Football League. Yep. He will join us as well in this final hour of the program. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. Very happy now to be joined by Browns rookie defensive end Alex Wright. And Alex, first day in pads coming up. What does that mean to you? I mean, it's we finally getting back to football. You know, not just, you know, not only just being able to, you know, come out here and practice as a team, but, you know, being able to have a pass on for the first time is really bringing the true meaning of football back. So, just not only a mental standpoint, but also a physical standpoint. When's the last time you had the pads on? Uh, November, whenever the bowl game was. I think it was December, December 2021. Is that crazy, though? It's been a while, right? It's been it's been a, a good while. It's been a good while. So I can't wait to have them back on, you know, just to get the feel of them again, you know, just to carry that little weight again, you know, get used to it. So I missed it, so I can't wait. How has camp been for you so far? Camp, you know, I just haven't been, you know, trying to rush it a lot. Just trying to take it day by day, step by step, you know. Just trying to get better each day, coming in with a positive mindset, uh, great attitude, you know, just coming in to work. So, you know, not really trying to beat myself up over, you know, stuff. I'm still learning, you know. I'm a rookie at the end of the day, so, you know, it's a learning process. But at the end of the day, it's still, you know, a great, a great chance to be out here. When you look, come out here and people come to watch training camp, right, it's very easy to see like in a seven-on-seven seven, the receivers and the, and the secondary going head-to-head. Head. It's harder without pads on to understand what's going on, at least for a person like myself, with the offensive line and the defensive line. What can you get out of those periods where you're just in shells or not in pads at all, and what, what are you trying to work on while you're out there? Because it's different, right? It's different. I mean, uh, the main emphasis is just fundamentals and technique. That's really what it is, you know. It could come later. With pads on, you know, the more you work it, the more repetition you get is going to show up when the pads come. So it's just, you know, just that's really just emphasis, just uh, fundamentals and technique. 
What's kind of the biggest difference in that technique for you? Because in college, you know, UAB, you put the tape on. Sometimes you're in a two-point stance. Sometimes you're down in the ground. Sometimes you're inside in that four-point stance. Sometimes you're outside. What, from a technique standpoint, maybe not even just alignment or standing or not standing, hand on the ground, what's been the biggest change coming here to the Browns? Uh, not only just the change, but it's like the speed of the game. I say, you know, moving up from – I didn't come from, you know, a power five. So, you know, coming from a group of five, the speed of the game is totally different. So, but like I said, you know, just going back to, you know, day by day, you know, I'm I'm adjusting uh, from what, you know, coach said, you know, just improving, you know, we're just taking it day by day. But, you know, I feel like the change of the game, you know, everybody everybody is good, is great in the NFL. They're here for a reason. So, you know, tackles are a lot quicker than, you know, that uh, average college tackle, the whole O-line just about. So, all it is just adjusting and I'm adjusting also. So. It's 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 been it's been a great a great mental standpoint from when I think about it. So it's just everything, just speed, just speed of the game, really. I know you guys are very early in your defensive install. So have you been just at end, or have you gotten some time inside in some of the rush situations as well? Uh, just outside right now. You know, me being able to still learn the system. I just want to be uh, comfortable enough and you know gain as much knowledge as I can. You know, to have access you know out there on the edge before I can move inside you know so eventually that's what I'm going to work to but for right now you know just just still you know learn the basics of uh, edge rusher outside how have the guys in the room been with in terms of helping you out and it's nice probably I'm sure to have another rookie and Isaiah Thomas going through the same things that you are but you know you've got Miles and Clowney the starters there are a lot of veterans in there as well Isaac Rochelle's been around for a while Stephen Weatherly's been around for a while Chase has been in the league three years what's that room been like and has anybody kind of taken you under their wing it's it's I try to I try to model everybody's game by a standpoint you know uh, and uh, and in the individuals you know I try to be behind Miles as much as I can uh, you know model his game and stuff like that but in the uh, in the the meeting room it's really like a family you know everybody is coaching us not only you know Coach Kiff but you know just every veteran that it is as you mentioned they anything that Coach Kiff doesn't you know say that's what they say so. It's been it's been great in the film. It's been great in the film room, and you know we have fun times and mention it. You know it's like yeah, we we love this group. Like I like this group. So everybody everybody loves one another. Everybody just trying to get everybody better. So it's a, it's a fun group to be around, and you know I can't wait for this season. Where have you seen an improvement in yourself from call it rookie minicamp, OTAs minicamp, and then now that you're back here for training camp and about to get those pads on? Just the little things, you know, just knowing different alignments and knowing different, you know, angles and techniques and stuff like that, just adjusting because uh, coming from college, I came from a, an entirely different, you know, defensive system to, you know, coming to uh, a new system, you know, just trying to learn it and put, thing, put pick up things that's been put down. So it's really just, you know, just the basics and not only the basics, it's the little things out of the basic things. So. I feel like I improved drastically there from uh, OTAs, you know, just working on it in, in the off season, just trying to get better as I can. And then, you know, come back up here, you know, and then continue to focus on what, you know, needs to be focused on. Any rivalry starting with you and any of the tackles that you're excited to get out there in the one-on-ones and see what you can do? No, not really. I'm just ready to showcase what I got and what I came from and what I can, uh, you know, what I can show to, you know, the O-line that, you know, even though he's a rookie, he has a little steam behind him. He has a chip on his shoulder. So I can't I can't wait to get out there. I mean, yeah, I can't wait to see it. And I know you grew up, we talked about already, down in Alabama. And you were a DeMarcus Ware fan growing up. What did you love about his game? 
just the way he approached the game, not only as a as a rusher, but as you know, uh, a coachable type of you know voice of the game for the edge rushers. You know, I would watch. I would watch. You know, when he would explain his moves, you know, just detail by detail. I would focus on those details, and then you know, try to mimic him to my game. So. Not only he, not only off the field, but you know, but on the field, he's like been one of those models that I try to, you know, try to mimic after. So, did you guys ever get to connect? Nah, nah. I wish, but we never did. We never nah. did. So you grew up idolizing Demarcus Ware, one of the best to ever do it, and now you're in a room with Miles Garrett, one of the best to ever do it. Is that kind of wild to you when you when you think about that? It's, it's wild. I still think about it to this day. Like when we still be, you know, we co he had coached me, you know, during drills and stuff like that. But when he's, you know, when he's moving around, you know, and I'm watching him, it's like I'm I'm in a room with Miles Garrett. Like, I still feel how I felt like on draft day. So it's crazy to actually be out here with him because, you know, but it's also a great lesson to learn from him physically, you know, like mentally with, of what he brings to the game and what he, you know, is showing me of what he can bring to the game. So just trying to, you know, just, just learn from him as much as I can, not only from him, but, you know, JD and the other veterans also. So. It's 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 been it's been a wild a wild feeling, but it's also getting to the point where you know that's that's my teammate now, so I got to lock in a little bit. So, all right, good stuff with uh, with Z there, and uh, now we're back here live out of camp at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus, and joined by I think I think one of the preeminent uh, reporters in all of the business, certainly covering the National Football League. He's a great friend of the program, Charles Robinson of Yahoo, joining us here live. Good to see you live, buddy. Usually over the phone on these, yeah. things, but good to see you here live. Welcome to Berea. By preeminent, you mean available at a training camp practice to sit down. <laughs> Erroneous. But, but also we elite. out when you're not but here. But also That's elite. Right. I mean, we, you know, Gibby's yeah. a lurker. We try to get you at the combine. We try to get you on via phone every single time we can because I, I think we think we're, you're, quite frankly, one of the smartest guys when it comes to doing all this stuff. So, obviously, the the – the, the thing that, that's kind of been hanging over, we got 9 a.m. tomorrow is this yeah. deadline for the NFL to appeal. Be before we get into that and your thoughts about that, this is the first time we've seen this process play out with a you, both sides agreeing on uh, federal uh, adjudication of, of this and, and this process has played out. It, the penalty is what it is. Ruled in favor of the National Football League, by the way, in, in her ruling. Um, and so as, as you've had a couple of days to kind of just sit back and look at the process and the end game of it, is there anything that surprised you about it? Anything that that was maybe a little different than you thought it would be? Well, when I, you know, when I read through Sue L. Robinson's decision, um, although she did agree with the NFL, I kind of thought you read through it and you go, "Wow, she's definitely siding with the league in a number of different areas." Talking about how serious it was, the scope of it, um, you know, I, I I felt like, you know, talking about Watson, whether or not he showed remorse, all these different aspects. But then she gets to the point of the suspension. And, you know, I know it was pretty clear early in the process when they started to go through the hearing that, that you know, she made the NFL aware, like, you're not getting the year that you're asking for. Like, she, like right off the bat, from what I understood, she made it clear to them that, that you're, you're asking for a lot when you, you kind of look at how you had the system set up. So she goes through the whole process where she seems to be agreeing with them, but then a fundamental disagreement was six games. I mean, that, that was certainly, I don't think, something that the league expected. Um and so, and when she issued the six games, she pointed out, like, hey, and, and this is me paraphrasing here, but she's saying, like, this is your system. I'm not going to set the precedent right. for you. Here, here's, you know, in the past, if you look at, you know, the kind of uh, suspensions that come down, this six fits. And if you're, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing here. She's saying, like, if you're, you want to change it, 
to something fundamentally different and, and much longer and much more significant without any real awareness of any players, you know? And so basically she's saying, like, I get it, I understand it, but this is a system you set up. This is why it's six games. And, you know, the year-long ban that you're asking for is wildly outside of the norm for what your past history is. And, and she was clearly leaning very much on the, the domestic violence statute, you know, where it's ultimately like, you know, six games automatic for, for a violation of that. And that's why I kind of thought it was two, two sort of decisions in one. It's sort of like, hey, I really agree with you, but th what you think fundamentally the suspension should be, I, I disagree with that. It was interesting. I think the NFL's on notice. Um, if this system continues the way that it is, that they, they're going to have to be very careful about what they ask for in terms of suspensions, and they might want to look back on their own precedent first because now you have an arbitrator that's like, I'm, I'm not going to do it for you. Like, I'm going to go on what, what you've done in the past. I'm not creating this whole new system just because you're asking for it. And she it's even an important distinction it's there, It's a right? huge distinction. The, 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 the how to interpret a law that – I think people thought that she was going to rewrite laws. Right. And that's not what no. she did. No, and, and, and another thing, too, I hear this a lot, and so it should be addressed. People keep saying, well, 24, 24, 24. That's not what was presented, okay? Right. The arbitrator deals with what's presented. It was four, okay? And, and the league tried to get five in. The fifth hadn't spoken, you know, to the league directly. Um, it, was, it was basically what had come out in the media. And, you know, so she set that fifth aside. And, and so it's basically you're dealing with four, you know, four cases that she's, you know, that are presented to her. Now we can get into, I know there's been a big argument about this idea of, you know, nonviolent sexual assault or whatever. And she did include that phrase as defined by the NFL, which I thought was interesting because um, – I think it leaves an interpretation there about whether or not she would even have defined what she heard in those four cases as sexual assault. Right. I, think I think the reason why she puts as defined by the NFL is because she's saying, I'm not defining it as sexual assault. The NFL is defining it as sexual assault. This is how it reads. And so when, you know, when I'm making this statement, you have to understand that it's, it's by their standards, not my standards. She made sure to put that every time she used that word. Yeah. Yes. It was in parentheses. Yeah. By Absolutely. the NFL's definition, yeah, and not the legal. And there definition. was a re and there right. was a reason for that. I don't think people fully understood that, but there was definitely a reason where she's saying this isn't my standard. This is a standard they set, and and that's why I'm applying it the way that I'm applying it. And I think that's an interesting point that you bring up, and it's it's so difficult to talk about because now certain people, because they can read that she said, yes, he did commit sexual assault. Now she would say, if you read verbatim by the NFL's definition, that people are throwing that around and saying that he did that, which is different than the legal definition. Obviously, it's nothing about this is fun to talk about. No, it isn't. It's, it, it's, and it. it's, it's not fun whatsoever. She also went on to say when you mentioned earlier the part about for a non-violent sexual crime, which I guess she's or not crime, non-violent sexual act mm. or transgression, she felt this was the harshest penalty that had ever been levied. So in her mind, actually, she was trying to go above and beyond the precedent for what was presented to her. Right. In that court, she pointed. She pointed out that you know, based on previous precedent, those were there were situations that involved violence. She pointed that out, and and so yeah, I mean, the point that you're making is that you know, she's saying, look, even by the standard, you know, and and again, this is why we keep, continue to kind of lean back on the the domestic violence suspensions that are six six games. Um, those that have happened in the past have involved a level of violence. Correct. She's saying right. what was presented to me there was there's not a level of violence, you know, and and now I know people are. There's a very, you know, significant debate right now, at least right. in my community, in our community, yes. Yes. about yes. what constitutes violence and, and, and all that. But I'm 
by going, you know, going by the letter of what she puts out and what she heard, I just try to stick inside that box. Right. You know, These and are every, her words, right? And exactly. I'm fine with the opinions. Everybody can have opinion, you know, and 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 approach it the way that they want. Um, but I'm just trying to stick to what was presented to her, what she's saying, what she's saying the, the NFL's history is, and and that's really what's kept it in that box. Now it gets blown up if the NFL comes and appeals this. They fundamentally change. They're the ones setting the precedent. Then they're saying we're blowing this up, and now if it's 10 games or 12 games or whatever, you know, if they appeal it and they change, they're setting a new standard um, that I think everyone's going to have to pay close attention to. And, oh, by the way, the next time you go through arbitration, the arbitrator looks at that and says, okay, this is the new standard that you set previously. So that, that Charles, leads to the, the, the question of, you know, whatever the NFL is going to do here before 9 a.m. tomorrow and the question of appeal. And Nathan and I, we had Joe Thomas that was on with us Monday when all this was going down, and it was, it was like, boy, there's a lot of risk here from the NFL side of appealing this. And, mm -hmm. and you've outlaid, outlined a lot of that in terms of uh, the precedent and so forth, and, and then also potentially owners on stands and all of that um, and undermining of the, this process and all of that. If, if, how quickly, if, if the NFL appeals – how does the PA respond and how quickly? I mean, do they file, file suit immediately? I think it depends what the, the, the number is that comes in. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think an appeal is an automatic. I, I, let's say they come back with eight games. Do you think that would be, real quick, do you think that would be, it would be like appeal, we, it's eight? Or do you think we got to re redo the, what's the process of that? No, 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 no. What, uh, I mean, facts, yeah, right? yeah they, uh, so if they appeal it. Yeah, I mean that. Obviously, that it's starts. Two days. It's oh, okay, okay. They have two days. The, the NFLPA has two days, business days to respond. So it would be next week. They're not going to come out and say, "Hey, we're appealing it." X games. No, they're going to. They they have to go through that process. So okay. Um, you know, ultimately there there is a process that that they. I mean, and and I'll tell you right now, that's my understanding. Okay, like yeah. and again, this is new. I want people to understand that, that this. This whole process collectively, uh, you know, was just collectively bargained. When you talk to the union and ask them, like, okay, so like, where is this going? Th literally, they're like, I don't know. We're going through it right now. Like, we don't, you know, we're learning as we go how the process is going to work. And they thought Sue Robinson was going to rule earlier than she did. And even sure. though she made it pretty clear that she was going to take her time, um, they had to learn what that meant. So, um, yeah, I mean, I – from what I understand, we will find out first whether or not there's an appeal, and then once the and they will lay out the grounds for the appeal, which is they have to basically say this is where we feel like the judgment was fundamentally wrong, and then at that point the the PA is going to have their ability to respond, and then either Roger Goodell or his designee, and I'm sure it would be a designee if it comes to that, um, will determine what the what the ultimate suspension is, and then at that point. I think you have to decide based on the number. Are you going to federal court over this, and and where do we go from here? <laughs> it's Again, a, and, and well, that's the Zeke Elliott. I mean, Zeke ended up playing eight games, right? right? The first eight games of that season. And and another thing too, um, just to, in terms of the unpredictability of this process, people forget that in the Zeke Elliott case, eventually when that started to work its way through court, we found out that. The lead investigator in the Ezekiel Elliott case, who was was handling the alleged victim, said, "I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think she was credible. I don't think this witness was credible." And the NFL cast that aside and said, "Nope, we're not, we're we're suspending him six games anyway." And I mean, if there's anything that tells you from an optics standpoint, you know, like t people ask me, like, "Do you think they're going to appeal?" I'm like, "Well, if I look back historically, 
some of the things that they've done, they've leaned very heavily since the Ray Rice stuff. They've leaned very heavily into optics and how it's going to play out on their end. And I think about the Ezekiel Elliott case where you literally had someone dealing with um, the alleged victim in that instance and said, you know, I, there were just, you know, too many inconsistencies in my, you know, interviews with her, and I, I don't think she's she's credible. You would think, okay, it falls apart then. Like, it's that's it. It's done. Yeah. No, it wasn't. He's yeah. still got six games. So yeah. um, if you're trying to apply logic to whether or not an appeal happens, keep that in mind. You yeah. know, I think sometimes optics override logic. And hopefully, as we said, well, the good news is we will have, we'll know what the NFL is doing sooner rather than later. The deadline would be tomorrow at 9 a.m. for them to decide whether or not they will be appealing uh, this decision by Judge Sue L. Robinson. In the meantime, we know at a minimum that Deshaun Watson will not be the Browns quarterback for yeah. those first six games. So let's talk about football, which I'm sure will all be more, will be more enjoyable for all of us. How does that impact this team? And, and if it does stay at six, what do you feel like? How do you kind of rank this team and, and, and what this season could be? I mean, it's still, it, you know, you obviously changes what you do offensively. You know, and I think what you're going to end up seeing them do is the obvious things, which is it's going to be a more run predicated, you know, situation. But you're going to find out, you know, Jacoby Brissett not going to be a shotgun guy. He's going to be up, you know, under center. There's going to be a lot of play action stuff. I will bet you Jacoby Brissett will throw the ball more than you think. Um, maybe not to the level of, you know, if Deshaun Watson was under center, but I think he's he's an adequate throwing quarterback, particularly with Kevin Stefanski, because Kevin Stefanski is going to design easy completions. Let's get the ball out as fast as possible. Let's utilize the tight ends. Um, so, you know, I think at least from an offensive standpoint, it's – Okay, let's take it back to, like, sort of the beginnings of Baker. You know, Baker's figuring it out, right? Yeah. A lot of running the football. You know, you're leaning on defense. I mean, I, I, I would assume that that's what um, you're going to see. And the very beginnings, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I remember looking at it. At Carolina. It's not so bad. Home Jets, home Thursday night Steelers, yeah. at Atlanta. Yeah. Home Chargers, very tough. Yeah. Home Patriots. Yeah. Last two games were the ones where I'm like. But you'll probably you know, be favored in four of those. Even with Jacoby Brissett? Or close. Or cl I mean, look, yeah. it's they're all, yeah. the first four. Yeah, you're like, those are all winnable games. You know, it's a, the roster's good enough that, um, you know, particularly if people are healthy, uh, you should be able to, to compete in, in all those games. And, you know, I think that's how they're preparing for it. What's going to be interesting, though, is at some point in camp, Kevin Stefanski is going to have to shift to, okay, Jacoby's our starter. You know, now we have to get him prepared to be our starter. Yep. And, Deshaun, you're going to do things off to the side. You know, because we got to get him starting reps. We got to get him at least for for six games. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's interesting. You know, looking at the roster, and I, I know they're feeling pretty good about some of the young parts in the secondary, and um, I think they expect you know Harrison Bryant to take a big step forward now with some opportunities. And um, I'll tell you, a kid, I like. Be curious to see how how it plays out. That si that receiver, the six round receiver out of Oklahoma, Mike Woods had yeah. a great Woods. start to camp. I like that kid. Yeah. I like that kid. I think I think I think he could, you know, talk about like people's Jones and people were like, Wow, we found a guy, you know, kinda late. I like that kid a lot. Yeah, it's it's interesting guys, as as we wrap up with Charles, it's it's like you do two camps, right? It's like two different radios. Yeah. Like the football side of it and then there's uh, the Watson side of it, and you know, defensively, you marvel at some of these guys who are out here now. They've remade this roster in relatively short order, but there is this the other part of it as well. Before I let you go, I want, there's one other thing, and it, obviously, this is a complicated one. But what happened yesterday in Miami with all the tentacles of that, Charles? Man, that was and Brady behind. Like, yeah. did 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 one of the 
I mean, universally kind of considered the greatest quarterback in NFL history, I think justifiably. Did, was his retirement a ruse? Yeah, 100%. Isn't that yeah. something? Yeah, that he complete, went through all that? Yeah. And, I mean, it was funny because there was reporting to that effect, and everybody, you know, lost their minds, particularly in Tampa. Ah, it's not true. It was all true, all 100% true. And it's – I what I think is funny is that, you know, Brady doesn't get hit in the fallout. Peyton At doesn't all. get hit in the fallout, which you're kind of like, who doesn't get hit when – the collaborators, right? Like, So yeah. is that a precedent, though, that players and coaches can tamper, owners cannot tamper? I, I, I think that – Again, I I think either Brady and Peyton collaborate or Don Yee did. You know, the agent for the two did what he, he jumped on the grenade and did what he could to make sure they were protected. So, that ah, was me. You know, I'm the one who was, who was really kind of behind the hijinks here. Well, they can't touch Don Yee, you know. Yeah. And if he jumps on that grenade, it keeps them from, you know, really going after either of those guys, which I don't think they want to go after either of those guys anyway. I mean, right. you know, Brady's Brady and Peyton's going to be the one of the highest paid coaches in the NFL when he comes back. And, um but, yeah, I mean, that, that whole thing was – what's wild to me is, is, you know, you read through the whole thing and I'm like, okay, they're like, yeah, this is all true, except for <laughs> the part about, <laughs> right. about you know, uh, incentivizing losing games, which is what would hurt the league. They're like, all this stuff that hurts the team and the owner is all true. The thing that hurts the league, yeah. He's joking. It was, a, it yeah. was in jest. Ah, come on. <laughs> yeah. like, what's what, the harm? What the owner – what owner jokes around about, you know. It's funny because they didn't even deny it. No. They did not deny that anything was said. They just said the wording and the way it was received or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, this is – come on. That's just – and my favorite part was, too, they're like, you know, Stephen Ross had said some things in the organization about prioritizing draft position over winning or whatever. But he stopped saying that after Brian Flores wrote it in a memo and put it out in the team. I'm like, yeah, of course he did. Of course did. he did. Even an owner smart enough to go, yeah, I I should probably shut up at this yeah, point because yeah. this guy's putting it on paper. <laughs> and by the way, there are a lot of teams that when you get to a certain point in the season, that probably is the mindset at this point. We cannot win anymore this year. We are not getting to the playoffs. Let's position ourselves to do that next year. And how yeah. do you do that? The way the system is set up with no lottery, it is yeah. to have the worst record you can possibly have. How 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 pissed is Robert Kraft at Stephen Ross? Oh, like like you're it, it's 2019. You're trying to keep together a marriage that's fallen apart between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and you got this guy outside who's like meddling with your quarterback. Like, you know, Kraft, the Glazers, um, you know, uh, Rita Benson. They should all be pissed at this. Yeah. And I would think you'd you, you know oh, there has to be yeah. some punitive measures. We'll see how it plays out down the line. At some point, um, Steve Ross is gonna need something. He's going to need some funding, yeah, <laughs> stadium yeah. funding. There's going to be a rule change, you know, that, that, you know, he or his team or whatever will be pushing. Or, you know, I, he's not going to get any favors. I can, put it, I can put it to you that way. No, no, he's not. Charles, excellent. Great having you. This is, this is why I said preeminent. That's right. This was, you Elite. get smarter. You get smarter. Thank you for your time. By the way, Nick Chubb just ran a 4-1-40 on that just, He was blurring like, again. He causes blurry vision. He's shot out of a cannon. It's yeah. like he's he, as good as he's been. It's just stunning to see. Well, and just think about when we do have Deshaun Watson and teams yeah. are worried about us throwing the football yeah. on every down, and all of a sudden you're facing light boxes, Yeah, what he's going to do. Well, that's the scheme right now, guys, until until Deshaun gets back on the field. Yeah. Nick Chubb, that's Nick the Chubb. scheme. That's what's the scheme? It's, it's a good scheme. By the way, a good one. It works. <laughs> it's a good scheme. Good to have 27 behind him and 30. I mean, there's, there's a few of those guys. Charles, thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you a great deal. Uh, all right, coming up next, we'll go around the NFL and explain. We're, we're doing some 11-on-11 11 11 stuff. We'll paint some pictures for you coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Land on Demand is now free in the palm of your hands during the entire month of August. ESPN Cleveland, the Bath Authority, giving fans free access to the Land on Demand for all the news you don't want to miss. You see us live in our brand new studios. Reply all your favorite show commercials, uh, commercial free rather, and on demand and get all access to Tony Gross's Browns analysis and more. Visit thelandondemand.com or download the app today. The Land on Demand, remodeled by our friends at the Bath Authority. Bo and Z here on a first Friday. Going to need a cooling beverage tonight around the pool, my friend. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a steamer. Uh, we had we had some action here, though, my friend. What are your copious notes as you tear into the phone book? Well, so far, the, the first session, they usually call that the Do you perpeter. have one? What? Do you have a copious notes book? I do, but I right now I've been doing it on my phone. I like the written easier. word with you, though. I know it's easier, but I liked when you had a notebook of copious notes. I, got, I have a file of copious notes. Okay, file. There's a Can files. I still call it a book? Yes. Okay, thanks. Uh, so far what we've seen, they've done the perimeter period here in the early going. Uh, a couple of big runs, one with Nick Chubb and then one Jerome Ford. You really saw the speed yep. that they love about Jerome Ford, the young man out of Cincinnati. He had one that it appeared to be untouched on a run to the left side for about 50 yards. It was a touchdown, and obviously, you know, there are, we're not tackling, we're not in pads, so, you know, defenders, will, they do this this kind of a gesture, which if our stream was working, you'd be able to see where they say they touch them up and, oh, that's a tackle. Not always a tackle, but that one, it looked like he got through there and had some nice room to run. They tried a bomb on a beautiful kind of a play-action boot to David Ajoku, uh, and just great coverage as well, just could not fully connect on that. That was one of the big plays that got, you could hear a little buzz from the crowd. Then Kevin Stefanski just brought everybody in together. And what they're doing is something that we saw them do on Monday, which is it looks like a red zone period where neither side are wearing helmets. So they're just going to kind of jog through a team, what looks like a red zone period, nobody in helmets, no contact whatsoever, and they move kind of at a jog through pace. And so that's a way to work on their alignments, their techniques, their releases, all of that, without it being anything that would lead to any type of contact. Now the quarterback, Sean Watson, he will still wear his helmet in this period, but Nobody on offense or defense is wearing helmets, and they just kind of jog through the first second and get it going there. So uh, just doing some work, red zone situational football, it's always an emphasis of Kevin Stefanski's. You know, it's interesting you bring up Jerome Ford. Uh, we saw a couple of his runs yesterday that were awfully impressive, really uh, an impressive athlete. We talk so much about Chubb and, and Hunt, as we should. The other two might be pretty special, too. We know what Dearness can do. We talked about that game against uh, Denver in terms of kind of the blueprint for Jacoby Brissett. He was 22 for 146 in that game against that Denver defense. The, the FedEx you know? ground player of the week. That's correct. And, then, and now all of a sudden you add Ford to that as well. It is an embarrassment of riches in the running back room. It's a stunning level of talent all the way through. Ford seems to be a hit. He is a hit. And I go back to the opening of OTA's. And minicamp. And by the way, we should let everybody know Amari Cooper is back at yep. practice today for the Browns, which is good uh, after missing yesterday with a little bit of an ankle injury. Um, one of the reasons, go back to the beginning of OTAs in the minicamps, and, and it was said, yeah, Demetric Felton's a running back. Yeah. And it didn't take very long, I think, for them to get a look at Jerome Ford and say, you know what? Demetric, your best shot to make this team is to go back to wide receiver. Now, with the injuries to wide receiver, he's he's been able to fill in, and, and he's done a good job working out of the slot right now. As you see, Cooper's out there right with the, with the first team uh, and quarterback Deshaun Watson. But I think Ford showed them immediately: natural runner, natural pass catcher. Yeah. We go back to the, you know from the great Dane Brugler from his beast, that little factoid that you know his team in high school was so loaded. And remember the story that you know. Nick Saban 
landed a helicopter at the 50-yard line to recruit him to Alabama as right. a running back. Yeah. And yet his last year in high school, he didn't play running back. He no. only had 22 carries, I think, that year. He played slot receiver and ended up averaging like 18 yards a catch, having 800 yards okay. receiving. Right. In high school, because the other two running backs also got D1 offers. But that's how talented he was. He ends up going to Cincinnati last year, 19 touchdowns. You know, sets the school franchise or the school record for rushing touchdowns in a season. He's a talented guy, and I know that they have been very impressed by him already as not only a runner but a natural pass catcher out of the backfield. And so I think, yeah, your four tailbacks are set, and it, it's it's the best one-two. It's the best one-two-three. And it's probably the best one, two, three, four in the league. Was that DPJ that just climbed out of there? No, that was Amari. Amari? Yeah, He's been great in the red zone. His chemistry with Watson has definitely been on display. But, again, just so people understand what's happening right now, they are doing a little bit of a red zone drill, but no one is wearing helmets. They are not wearing helmets as they try to just kind of go through this, get some work in in a very safe manner, and probably allow, you know, heat to escapes out of your head. And it's a hot one out there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, by the way, if you're – you got – your kids in the area, and you're doing your your high school football, your your little guy football, and you got the helmets on today. Uh, if the NFL's doing it, maybe you ought to too. You yeah. know what I mean? Know what I mean, Coach? Um, no, I and it's interesting that, that Amari climbing the ladder on that one to make the catch uh, from from Deshaun on on that play in this red zone drill that they're doing. I was thinking about that a little bit with the receiver position. Um, and you you mentioned uh, the emergence cer- certainly of the young man from Oklahoma. And now you say to yourself. Let's go back to the last time Watson was great and look at who the receivers were. This is the other thing that we have to start to wrap our minds around. When he plays for this team, he will elevate them all. He and will. So that's, that is another part of this that, you know, you typically think, well, you got to get the best. Well, not necessarily. It's not required that you, that you have that. And, by the way, you have a number one. You have a number one, Amari Cooper. I think in some ways some people – kind of are sleeping on Amari because the Cowboys get got so little in return like it feels we kind of fleeced him once you saw what the oh, wide receiver hey, market was absolutely was a fleece so it was you know it's kind of like people forget that oh yeah he is a number one he is definitely a number one and going back to your point that you made about the Houston Texans and oh by the way that year Deshaun Watson threw for 4,823 yards 33 touchdowns seven interceptions completing 70 percent of his passes and of course led the league in passing that year his receivers his leading receivers in terms of uh, receiving yards that year. You had Brandon Cooks with 1,150. Remember, DeAndre Hopkins was gone. He's gone. Down yeah. to Kansas City. I mean, I'm sorry, to Arizona. Will Fuller, 879. A 30 year, and that was in 11 games. A 30 year old Randall Cobb, 441. Jordan Akins, the tight end, 403. Kiki Kuti, 400. Yeah. David Johnson, 314 out of the backfield. Darren Fells, former Brown, 312 and four touchdowns for Fells. Duke Johnson, a former Brown, had 249. Chad Hansen, I think that's like a play, 236. <laughs> Pharaoh Brown, former Brown, 163. And Kenny Stills, 144. So, you know, Fuller, good player. Brandon Cooks, good player. That's well past your prime. Randall Cobb, not a tight end that would be one that would be considered of no. note or certainly up for the contract that a David Njoku got. And yet, you know, Akiki Kuti is catching 82% of the targets to him, averaging 10 yards a target. Fells is at 11.1 yards a target. Farrow Brown, 10.2 yards a target. Cobb, 9.2 yards a target. He didn't do that with Aaron Rodgers last year. So this is its an incredible thing, and he actually led the NFL in yards per attempt that season uh, at right around nine. He's incredibly talented, and he will elevate the people around him, to your point. Here's the other thing about that. He also was not playing behind this offensive line. Nope. 
or in front of these tailbacks. Nope. <laughs> so that that's when you go through those stats, and we're talking about the receiver comparison, you make a very good argument that this receiving group, when healthy, is better than that one that he had that year. This offensive line is most especially better, and this running game is night and day. That's a Grand Canyon gap between the remnants of David Johnson and Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearest Johnson and, yeah, of and, and Jerome Ford. I mean, that's that's an incredible difference. So you want it? We we've talked so much about how how you know you talk about you, you look for little questions or holes or whatever. What you have in Watson is an elevator of of, of the product on the field that's going to help everybody. Uh, and and by the way, our guys, the the things that we are going to provide to him are going to elevate him. Right. It's a it's a mutually great, beneficial. It's a great football situation. I mean, there's yes. There's no doubt about that, and that's why a team that is, you know, led by an Andrew Barry and a Kevin Stefanski and a Paul D. Podesta makes such a drastic move because you had a guy who was a top five player in the league who now will be in a significantly better situation than he has been in his career, and you've got now guys on our team who will be playing with the best quarterback that they've ever played with. And so that's how things get better for everybody. That's what you call a football win-win and that was the goal. That's the expectation, and that's why the Browns made the moves that they did make. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as today, this will be it. This practice will wrap up. What are we doing? Hour about forty-five minutes from now, something like that, around three thirty. That we'll wrap up this practice, and then off tomorrow, and then we're back in a padded practice on Friday, um, and then through the weekend, and then all of a sudden we're we're on to Jacksonville. On to Jacksonville. Like I said, we are nine days away from the preseason opener in Jacksonville. In fact, we are one week away from when this team will depart down to Jacksonville. They're going to go down on Wednesday, according to head coach Kevin Stefanski, get an extra day down there to do some work in Jacksonville prior to that game uh, on Friday. And so, yeah, it, it it's close, man. It, the hour is here. It, it's wild. It feels like camp just – I don't know. It, it feels different to me. It feels like normally camp goes for a little while longer before you have a game, and yet here we are about to get right into it. And it obviously must be very normal. Well, no, I'm sure it is. I, I think it's because of what we alluded to at the end of the Robinson interview. It's like you're doing two jobs. You're right. monitoring two things. You're monitoring, you know, rulings and appeals and a football team. And you're, you're doing two jobs. So it's like split brain. Yeah, it that is split brain. Like no. it's, hard to, it's hard to do both. And you're, tr- you're sitting up here. I know you're doing the same thing. You're trying to balance, like, the news part of it. And also, oh, yes, we have a football team out here. Uh, that that's really good and and some of the developments that we're seeing there but I think a lot of those things um, have been on full display and I think this this rookie class looks I mean we haven't seen David Bell yet and he didn't drop anything no and you you want to see him but Cade York has been great he's been perfect so far in training camp you're talking about not just Cade Perrion's had a nice camp you go MJ Emerson and, and they love MJ Emerson they love his competitiveness uh, they think it's pretty cool. One thing that we're looking at right now, you see Deshaun Watson has walked over and he's staring at a TV monitor. The Browns this year have multiple TV monitors set up uh, by the field oh, sure. so that you can go and watch the play before in real time. It's basically like having the film wired right into those monitors so that they're able to look at what the play that just happened and get that real-time feedback, which Gosh, is actually really cool. cool. That is really cool. Yeah. This is so a- hopefully we can get some technology like that so we can just stream out to the people, Gibbe. That's all they want. Yeah, poor Gibbe's frustrated. Look at poor Gibbe. Yeah. I hate when he's sad. Well, we're a long ways from yesterday when he physically moved a speaker. To start Apparently the show. there were big consequences for that, Bo. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, God. Well, he's still here. So much more to come. We hope. 50%.
Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Training camp is underway, and the Cleveland Browns 50-50 raffle is now open. Go to the Browns mobile app at browns5050.com to purchase your tickets. The raffle ends on Sunday, August 21st. Don't miss your chance to win big while supporting the Stay in the Game Network and Shoes and Clothes for Kids. I should also tell you that Rumkey Waste and Recycling is family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit rumkey.com to learn more as we wrap up. Another day out here, my friend, and we have royalty. We have the Hoff, young Hoff family here. They're yeah. out about. You got Scarlet with his newborn running around. Uh, Enoch, it's beautiful. Enoch out there just thriving. Absolutely thriving. All the luminaries are out All and about. We're on just for one more second, but you come on. You're VI, you're royalty. Come on over it's, here. Come on. We're wrapping for it up. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's we're ready it. For the next level. What uh, in, in terms of what folks will be, be seeing out here through the rest of the day, buddy? What do we what do we got? Again, not in pads today, so uh, my expectation we'll get some seven on seven competitive periods. Right now they're doing some special teams work. Helmets are still off, and so you know, being smart in the heat, being judicious with this team, they get a day off tomorrow. So I think we'll get some seven on seven and some good teamwork to end the day here. See the quarterbacks kind of throwing the ball on one side. They're going through some special team setups on the other side, and, and that's it. Another good day and hopefully go. another healthy day of work here for the Browns. We'll be here before we know it. Uh, Jacksonville next week and a, a game tomorrow. NFL season, hard knocks this weekend, right? Hard. It's all happening. Yeah. It's all happening. It's all happening. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.